So God, would you cut us deep today? I thank you for who you are. You are worthy of every breath that we breathe. You are worthy that, of everything that comes out of our mouth. You are worthy of our very life, even if it means unto death. You're worthy of it all. So God, I just pray that this morning there would be one of two responses. The first one being, I hear what you're saying, and God, I'm on my knees. You can have it all. Or I hear what you're saying, and I just don't want it. God, make it clear, so clear that a child could get it. Thank you that it's simple. Have your way in this place and in me. I only want to say what you're saying. If you were on this stage, God, let it be. Jesus' mighty name. So because John said what he just said, I have permission to share my first story. Yay. Pray for him. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So, uh, so fun uh, following the Lord. Jesus is super fun. Uh, sometimes it feels like we get into religion and it feels kind of robotic, but I'm going to tell you how fun it is because I'm going to share a super embarrassing story about myself. Um, the Lord said, Christy, I want you to share that story because after that, the sword's coming. So we got to laugh first, amen? We're going to laugh a little bit and then we're going to cry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So I went for a walk this morning with Louie like I always do and there's Tons of people on the walk that I go on. And like I shared a couple weeks ago, when I go on a walk, I walk with intention. Every time I get up in the morning, I, I wake up with intention. Our lives have intention. I'm not alive for me. I'm alive for him. It's no longer, God, come be a part of my day. It's, God, what are you doing in your day and how can I partner with you? That's a life laid down. It's what we're called to. We're not called to build houses and dreams and fences and cars and those things are nice sometimes, but that's not why we're here. And so I went out on my walk, and I got halfway, and the coffee set in. You know what I mean? The coffee set in. And I'm about a mile from my house, and it's not good. It's not good. And so I realized, I looked out at the dog, realizing, because they do talk back sometimes, and I said, Louie, this isn't good. And so I start walking faster, and as I'm walking, there are people passing me by, and I'm like, hi, hi, God bless you, he loves you, oh, hi, hi, and I'm trying to get home, but also realizing that I'm called to walk with intention, and I'm laughing at the same time because I realize if I don't get to my bathroom, we're going to have a problem, and so I turn the corner into my gate, and this woman gets out of her car, and she's like this. And I said, Jesus, you know we're going to have a situation in a minute. He's like, I got you, girl. I said, I hope that's true. <laughs> I said, ma'am, <laughs> you're hurt. What's going on? I said, wait, you have a bad hip. She looked at me and she said, how do you know? I said, well, I saw you limping and I asked the Lord. He told me you had a bad hip. She started to cry, which means more time. And I have to go to the bathroom. And I said, what's going on? She said, old age. And the Lord told me that she was active as a kid. I said, you've been active your whole life, and that hip's causing you a lot of pain. Let me pray. She says, Let. So she starts making her way towards me, and I realize we could really have a situation. Like, it really could happen. I said, no, stay right there. I'm going to pray from here. And I prayed for her. And she looked up at me, and do you know what she said? Where are the people like you? I 
I said, we got to be better, right? That's not a condemnation, that's an invitation, guys. Don't listen in the ear of offense. It's an invitation. We got to be better. I still have to go to the bathroom. He meets us in those places where we're extremely uncomfortable. It didn't go away. But I will be obedient regardless of the cost. I will be obedient regardless of what it costs me. It will cost you something. It will cost you everything. It costs your life. Your whole life. I am sorry that we have taught a gospel in America that he is here for our benefit and our gain. He is not. He is not here for us. We are here for him. We are here to represent him. We are crying out for situations to change and new jobs to be around Christians. We're crying out to not walk through hard things. I don't even think those hit the ceiling. Those prayers are not our prayers. Our prayers are, God, how do I shine in the middle of this? Some of you have seen me in my darkest hours. Darkest. Last summer I walked through darkness. And I had to get to a place that said, you can have my life whatever it looks like. But I will go out praising you. If this is the end, you get my whole life. We are not here for us. Can I have that Ephesians slide? Oh my gosh, is that it? That's so fun. Okay, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I don't believe that Paul is saying... Oh, I beg of you to, 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 to live a life worthy of your call. I believe he's saying, I beg you. I beg you to remember why you're here. I beg you to lead a life that's worthy. Well, what does that mean? Because in Matthew 10, Jesus says, unless you refuse to deny yourself and pick up your cross, you're not worthy to follow me. What does it mean to be worthy of the call? What does it mean? What does that mean? Because you know what? We come and we sing and we pay homage to God on Sunday. And we go and we live the rest of the week for ourselves. Come on, guys. Come on. This is us together. We are the body. We are the body of Christ. He is the head. Together we need one another to represent him. Paul is saying, I beg you. I beg you to remember why you're here. Don't get lost right now. Don't get lulled to sleep right now. Don't ask for a way out of whatever you're in right now. Ask for God to shine through you in the middle of it. Because I guarantee you, I'm back at work right now. People are stressed. They're stressed. Who am I going to be that represents Jesus to them? Because I'm telling you what, the world, hear my heart in this. The world is not crying out for a cure for the coronavirus. They are, but ultimately they're not. They are not groaning for us to solve racism today. 
It's got to be dealt with. They're not groaning for a political party. They're groaning for Jesus. I better have more than an update to give them. I better have more than a CDC report to give them. I better have more than bashing a president to give them. Well, Christy, that's just you. I'm not an evangelist. Stop. That's just Paul. That's just Jesus. I pray that God removes every excuse. Because four years ago, I laid in my bed, and I was scared. And I was terrified of people. When John was a youth pastor, and we would have parties or whatever they called them then, I would be in a corner, shaking. People, thought, people told me in our old church we didn't really believe he had a wife. And I laid in my bed when the gospel hit my heart. And all I could do was shake and say, whatever the cost. I don't care whatever the cost. You have my life. Whatever the cost. If I lose my life on this earth, you're worth it all. Whatever the cost. Whatever the cost. I don't say, well, that's just Jesus. I don't say, well, that's just Paul. I say that's an invitation. Paul says, follow me as I'm following him. Jesus says, follow me. Please, get quiet long enough to get on your knees and say whatever the cost, because it will cost your whole life. It will cause you to be uncomfortable. I don't want you to get comfortable in your seat. I want you to get uncomfortable. I want you to get uncomfortable. We're called to be uncomfortable. Because if we can do it on our own, what do we need him for? He's in us for a reason. He is in us for a reason. Why is he here? He is not in me, so one day I rocket ship up into the old by and by. He's not my rocket ship. He's more than my savior. He's my friend. He's my father. We're not comfortable with this, but he's my lover. He loves me. He loves me. And we get so used to opening. John is so cute. He says, we got to tech this word up. And I'm like, he is the cutest thing on the planet when he says that. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to bite him. But we get so used to getting into the word and we go, therefore, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Great. Wait. Wait. Hold on. I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling for you have been called by God. That one line alone. Oh my God, I've been called by God. I've been called by God. It's real. He's real. He's real. And what I found in the pages of this book is more than just a Sunday lesson. I found life. I found my whole life. I found the reason that I'm here. And it's fun. It's not a drag and it's not a bummer. And I say this with everything in me, I would give my life for this thing. Because what happens is we come to Jesus and we say, yeah, that's great. I'm going to do what I want to do. That's not going to fly. It's not okay. I had this picture a month and a half ago 
where I saw this groom. How many of you know God speaks in different ways? So some of you are like, well, I don't hear God. I promise you do. Sometimes you, you may see a picture. Sometimes God speaks in different ways. This one time I saw a picture and I saw a groom standing in front of a, a mirror and he um, <clears throat> was tying his tie and he had tears in his eyes. I said, that's you. He goes, you better believe that's me. He's ready to marry us. And then I turned and he said, but watch. And I saw this bride who was with the world the day of her wedding. And I cried, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried, because there's a humbling thing that hits your life when you go, I don't ever want to be the bride that's not making herself ready. And then I began to cry out and weep for the body at large right now. Because before all of this hit, we were doing our own thing. And then this hits, and we're upset, and we're like, where's God? Guys, we're in a really amazing time where I believe God is calling for repentance. Repentance isn't just laying here crying for an hour about what we've done. Repentance is about falling in love. Because that, that guy was getting married, and his whole life, there's things that you would never do or dream of because you're in love. And when we've fallen in love, Things are off the table. I love this man with everything that I am. My eye doesn't go anywhere ever because I'm in love. Not an option, never, never I'm in love. But we don't translate that to Jesus. He's worthy of everything. The breath you have in you right now belongs to him. Come on. You have nothing. It's all his. All of it. So I began to pray for the bride and I began to say, God, would you return us to our first love? Not a worldly love that says, I'm going to love you today, but when I don't feel it, I'm just done. Because we're still trying God out, aren't we, some of us? We're still going, if, if it goes the way I think it should go, then maybe I'll press in. If it doesn't, maybe I won't. God's goodness is not based on what you're going through. His goodness is based on the fact that 2,000 years ago, God created a perfect world. We chose outside of him. Jesus came into the imperfection through the womb of a woman. He came through a birth canal. And he came into the imperfect world because we chose outside of him. And the night he was betrayed, he washed the person that betrayed him's feet. Are we doing that? And he stood before Pilate, perfect, never missing it. He stood before Pilate, silent. In Isaiah 52 and 53, it says, like a lamb, he was led to the slaughter and he didn't open his mouth. I look online and I cry because we can't keep ours closed. He had every right to say, I'm not guilty. But he looked at Barabbas, the guilty one. 
Barabbas went free. Don't you know that's you and me? When that hits your life, the only thing you have left to do is go, oh my God, thank you. Why are we not here? Honestly, why are we all not here? Why? This is the only response to what he's done. I'm not here to talk about evangelism. I'm not here to talk about healing. Love is evangelistic. Open your eyes, love somebody, and I guarantee you they'll say, why are you this way? And you can talk about Jesus. I'm not asking you to go and preach in the middle of downtown. He didn't say a word. If any man come after me, let him first do what? Deny himself. If you don't learn to do that, you will never get to the next couple parts to pick up your cross and follow him. You won't. When you want to say it and you don't, that's deny yourself. I understand this well because I'm a last word kind of gal. I'm like, no, but no. And the Lord is like, go to your room until, it, until you can get it together. Quit. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. Follow me. Jesus didn't ask us to do something he didn't model. He went down that road with his cross. Yes, he got to a place that he couldn't carry it because he was marred beyond any of the sons of man. He was unrecognizable. Why did he get unrecognizable? Because we had become so unrecognizable. Sin had distorted us. We look nothing like what we were created for. Nothing. And he became the distortion. Unrecognizable. If you looked at him, you wouldn't be able to tell it was even a man. Beyond description. And they jeered. And they mocked. Blow after blow after blow. Nothing. That's what it looks like to pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. Is the church ready for that kind of persecution? Are we ready for that? It it makes me tremble. Makes me tremble because there's a part of me that I read this and I get on my knees and I say, God, That's really scary. But you can still have it all. You can still have it all, whatever the cost. Whatever the cost. Dan Muller tells this story. I listened to a guy named Dan Muller. He's great fun. But he tells this story of Jesus walking. He said, I can imagine Jesus walking through the earth with a real estate agent. And mind you, Jesus could put his house in the sky, right, for everyone to see if he wanted. He can do anything he wants to do. So he could, he could build his home, put it in the sky for everyone to see him every day. So the real estate agent is walking him through the earth, and uh, he sees a man. And he says, ooh, I want to live there. And the real estate agent says, no, you can't live there. That's, not, that's, that's, that's an unfit place for you to live. You can't live there. Let me tell you about what that looks like. He said, no, 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 no. I want to live there. How much does it cost? 
And the real estate agent says, well, let me look it up. And she says, flesh and blood. Flesh and, flesh and blood. You want to live there? It's flesh and blood. And Jesus says, I'm paying it. Have we received and walked in the full measure of why he's in us? Have we done that? It's great when things work out. It's really great. But it's when they don't work out that I get to walk out what I say I believe. It's in those times when sometimes I can't breathe because anxiety has me gripped. Then I get to tuck in and say, whatever the cost, I'm still singing. Pull up a chair for the enemy and say, you're going to watch me worship. You're going to watch me worship. And I get on my knees and I cry because sometimes it's painful and that's okay. But I give everything I have in that moment because my life, Romans 12, my life is a living sacrifice. Again, I urge you. I plead with you. I urge you. You are called to be a living sacrifice. Jesus carried the cross. He carried the altar in which he would lay himself on for the Father and for us. He modeled. He modeled. Everything he's asked us to do, he modeled. Revelation says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony, and we stop there. You know what the last part says? that we don't love our own lives unto death. But right now, everybody's loving their own life, even to the point of self-preservation. And you know, because I, I pray for a lot of people, I get that amazing privilege. And the coronavirus hit. I thought, well, this is going to get interesting, Lord. How are we going to do this? And for the first month, I was so afraid, terrified. I would cry to John and be like, what are we going to do? <clears throat> and I said, Lord, I don't want to disrespect anyone. That's not ever my heart. But you know what? Paul preached in chains. He was stoned and came back in to preach. Like, he endured persecution beyond what we could even understand. And he went back in. And he went back in. And he went back in. And every time he opened his mouth, this thing is really interesting. I'm just going to say it. Um, I don't know if this is on, babe, but is it we good? Okay. Um, <clears throat> and he would go back in and he would go back in. And every time he opened his mouth, he got pummeled. Pummeled. God promised him Rome. He ends up shipwrecked and then in Malta. where he gets out and a snake, a dangerous snake, bites him. He doesn't complain. Lord, you promised Rome. Why am I in Malta? Because, can we go to that act scripture, please? See if he's really paying attention back there. Compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish 
the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. I count my own life nothing. That's not just Paul. God gave that to Paul and he said, follow me. Don't count your own life, dear. You can't get there on your own. You can't wake up every day and just try not to count your own life, dear. You can't wake up every day and try not to fear. You can't wake up every day and bite your tongue. It's not about religion and it's not about trying. Grace meets you in this place in communion with the Lord where you go, that is not who I am. And God, meet me in that place because I don't want to do it anymore. Meet me there. I put it off. It's not who I was created to be. Jesus, let grace empower me to walk this thing out the way you've called me to. Every moment, if that's not in our mouth, we've forgotten why we're here. We have. I was driving uh, to 1604, 281, around the turnaround. I shared last time I was. <clears throat> there's that, that little spot in between Whataburger and Sonic, and there's always a man there, always. And this last week, I was making the turn. I said, Lord, I don't want to go that way. Because somebody's going to be standing there, and I don't want to stop. We all have that, right? I don't want to do it. <clears throat> and the Lord said, well, does your life belong to you? I said, no, sir. And he's not mean. He's my dad. And just like you would tell your kid, knock it off. You want that from the Lord. He chastens us. I said, no, sir, my life does not belong to me. And I pulled through that Whataburger and I got a meal. And I screamed at that man. I said, hey, hey. He came up to my car. I said, what's your name? He didn't speak English. And I thought, well, this is going to be a pickle. His name was Hector. I said, Jesus Cristo. That's all I knew. He said, yes. I said, I'm going to pray for you. I figure if he doesn't understand, I'm just going to grab his hand. He's not even going to say no. So I grabbed his hand, and I began to pray for him. And do you know that Holy Spirit translated? Because that man started to cry. And he started doing this. <sighs> Me, Cristo, Cristo. That's all we could say. The Lord translated. I had to go to the bathroom and didn't. <laughs> Guys, don't tell me you can't stop for a meal. Don't tell me you can't stop and look at the H-E-B curbside lady and say, thank you, God bless you. Don't tell me that's just Paul. Please, please stop making excuses for it's why it's not, why I can't. If God, if Jesus didn't say follow me, we would have an excuse. But he did. That means it's possible. And that means you have to fully be dead so that he can live through you. If you're still alive, you can't do it. I have been yelled at, screamed at, mocked. 
It doesn't hurt me. It's okay. I pray for people like this because I have to go to the bathroom. It's okay. It's okay. The world is groaning for us to get off the typewriter. Is that what it's called? The computer. To quit typing. To actually walk out what we're typing. Why is it all language? The gospel is not language. It's a person. His name is Jesus and he lived in you. And he wants out. That doesn't always mean stopping and talking to people. How are you responding in your job? How are you responding to people that grate you? How are you, are you returning a harsh word with a kind word? When you walk into a room, does it get better or does it get worse? What do you bring with you? If Jesus is just in there, if Holy Spirit's just in there to get you up someday, then it really is to heaven with me and to hell with all of you. And that's not the gospel. We're called to redeem the time. Redeem the time for the days are evil. It's not time to go to sleep. And it's not time to say that's just them. It's time to be held accountable because one day you're going to stand before him. And that's just Paul. He's not going to fly. I beseech you. The body of Christ, I beseech you to lead and walk in a manner and in a worthy of your calling. Worthy of your calling. He paid it all. He paid it all. Without a word, without a question, he was slain before the foundation of the world. When you were just a thought, Jesus was slain. That's how much he loves us. He just wants to be with us. Not, I'm going to give him an hour on Sunday. You get 20 minutes today, God. That's not relationship. If I told John that, he'd be like, well, thanks. I drive to work and I, I don't listen to music. I don't, you can call me legalistic and you can call me, I, I'm in love. I don't listen to music and I don't watch TV unless my kids ask me to watch something with them. He gets my whole life because when I stop people every day, I better have more than what's in front of me. And guess what? What we behold, we become. Corinthians 3 that we behold him as in a mirror, and as we behold him, we become like him, and we go from glory to glory to glory. If I'm not beholding him, I'm not becoming like him. So all you have in those moments is what you've been staring at. Netflix. Facebook. Not saying that's for you to get off of all of that. That was my conviction. But what I am saying is that we cannot afford in this hour to not be here. We can't. People don't want your opinion. Shh. Shh. And until you can get to this place and go, I don't know. Then none of us know. Quit in pride. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. I'm going to tell them this. And I'm going to write this. And I'm, nobody in here is the police for heaven. No one in here is the police for the Holy Spirit. Stop. Get here. 
Because when you're always talking, people know it's always something. But when you get quiet long enough, and they, then you have the privilege when they say, what do you think? You give them heaven. You give them Jesus. It's what they're crying out for. I beseech you to first and foremost find yourself here. I do it daily, as often as I can, because I don't know. Every moment I need him, every moment. Every moment I need him, because I'm uncomfortable just like you. I don't want to do things just like you. So I live here, and I say, I need more of you. I want more of you. I have to have more of you. And I fall more and more and more in love. And guess what? The more that him and I are locked and in love, I can actually love you. It's the way it's supposed to work. All the law and the prophets hang on those two. Love the Lord your God with everything that you are. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, how are you going to love your neighbor if you don't love yourself? How are you going to love yourself if you don't see how much you're loved? Get before him. Turn it off. Turn it all off. Shut it down. God's waiting. He stands at the door and he knocks. Let him come. Give him everything. Not for a new day, for a new life through Jesus Christ. David, you ready? So, There's some of you in here that, that I feel like you get, to, you get to get before him this morning and go, wow, you can have it all. I, I think to say that we do that once is silly. It should be every moment. You can have it all, whatever the cost, even if it means my whole life. So I beseech every single one of you in this room to do what Paul says is the only thing he does, forget the past so that we can press on. Because we are called to run a race that's worthy of a prize. And in order to run that race, we keep our eyes on Jesus. In order to keep our eyes on Jesus, we've got to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and actually follow him. So I beg you, each and every one of you, because I don't steward your heart, you steward it. You're the only one that can say, yes, I want it all. I can't do that for you. I have to do that for me. But I'm begging you, pleading you to get yourselves before him right now, to settle it. Give him everything because he deserves it. He's worthy of it. And never look back. And watch. Not that things around you change. You change. I don't need things around me to change. I get to change. And I get to bring heaven everywhere I go. for his life inside of us for a reason. I beseech you, I beg you. I feel like Paul is he for the churches. I beg you. Give him everything. He's worth it all, I promise. He's so good. He's so kind and he's so fun. I laugh with him. I did after I didn't go to the bathroom on myself and I left and we laughed. We laughed together. I said, you're so fun.